quick. So I do want to talk about uh, various different things uh, with the basketball nature. Now let's let's go back down to just get it right. Central High School of Columbus, Ohio. In your time here, how many years were you at that school? I was at Central High School for two years. I transferred from West High School. West High School didn't let me play varsity as a sophomore. And uh, I was uh, one of the best players, regardless of age, uh, in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they had guys on varsity that I could beat 16-0. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I could spot them 12, and we go to the 13. If they hit the rim, I'd give them a point. These guys was on varsity, and uh, I became frustrated, went to open gyms at Central, and Coach Bowen said, hey, I don't know what they're thinking, but we want you down here. Mm -hmm. So at that time, Central was a trade school. So in order to transfer and not set out, I uh, applied in commercial foods. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was my journey to Central High School, ironically, I grew up in the uh, Sullivan Garden uh, Village, and I was uh, supposed to go there anyway, but, you know, we had moved to the hilltop, mm -hmm. but just ironic, man, I, uh, I uh, wound up at uh, Central High School. Central High School, Columbus, Ohio. Now, Central High, what was, how long Central High was, uh, I don't know, how long did the time pass before they actually shut it down? I think maybe uh, I'm not the exact. I don't have the exact date. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm saying between '78 and '83. Maybe I graduated in '72. I want to say '80s uh, that they closed up Central High School. But Central High School was one of the great schools to me. Mm -hmm. I say that because not only did they have academics, but they had trades right. for young men. And uh, I think uh, our school system went wrong at that time, uh, pushing everybody to uh, college. Everybody's not college material, but you got young men that if they get a skill or a trade, and they a lot of them do, and when they come to the house now, we joke about it, electrician and plumbing, uh, they smiling at me because they know it's going to cost me an <laughs> arm and leg. Right, yeah. So, so those guys have skills that can take them anywhere in the world. So more importantly in that situation, so we, you know, we graduate from, from high school. What, what is the destiny for Keith Neal? Uh, general, once you get your cap and gown, what, uh, where did you head? Uh, I didn't even go to my graduation uh, mm. as far as the, uh, I went uh, to the graduation as far as that, but you know, when they have the, uh, the prom and all that, I didn't go to. Mm -hmm. So when I got my cap and gown, I went to the basketball court right. and I uh, started getting my work in. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, but, but before all that happened, but there was a process that got me even to, uh, to Central High School, mm -hmm. and even the love of basketball. So that whole process started in the uh, in the Sullivan Gardens, and a lot of the uh, Ohio State players would come over there to play. Uh, some of the uh, street ballers, mm -hmm. and uh, my neighbor uh, stayed at 523 South South <laughs> Apartment C. Uh, Charlie Austin, Charlie, they would not play. The boys from the uh, Sullivan Gardens would not play unless Charlie Austin was on their team. Charlie worked, he'd come home, go to the court, and man, it would be sick around the court. I had to break my way up to the front to see Charlie play. Charlie was my hero, and man, I wanted to be like Charlie Austin. <laughs> Charlie had a sweet mid-range game, but he had a fierce competitive spirit. And uh, from that first day I saw Charlie play, all the way through uh, my formative years of playing basketball, Charlie was the person that I wanted to be like. So it started in the Sullivan Gardens, and then we moved to the Hilltop, uh, started playing with the older guys. Gotta tell you about a friend of mine, his name was Junior Man, Junior Man Carter. Mm. He was uh, the first pick when he was uh, 15 years old of anybody. <laughs> and uh, Junior Man was ahead of his time. He had a sweet uh, game, man. Tremendous shooter, had a high IQ. I wouldn't get picked, uh, but JC would take me. Say, Keith, come on and go with me. So I would go early, and then uh, I would be the last guy. They'd be waiting on somebody. The game get ready to start. Well, well, come on, Neil. We're going to let you play. But we want you to play defense and rebound. So they taught me how to play a role. The main thing was to win at all costs. So winning at that time, if you didn't win, you may have to sit on the sideline 
three hours. You might as well go home. Right. But but at an early age, I learned how to play to win, and I learned how to play a row in winning. Mm. So that's how it started for me. Now you asked me what as far as Central High School, uh, I had an opportunity because uh, I didn't take uh, grades seriously. I think I had a 2.2 grade accumulate uh, in high school mm -hmm. because uh, it wasn't because I couldn't do the work. I just did enough to get by. Uh. And uh, uh, junior college coach out of Texas, Hill Junior College, Texas. Uh, he said, hey man, uh, he had got word of me somehow. He said, here, all, we, all you need to do is bring a toothbrush. We'll pay for everything else. So I was flying like a major college to Texas and uh, wound up as a freshman starting and uh, averaging 20 some points a game and uh, got in the junior college circuit of basketball. It was lovely because junior college reminded me of the old Ashburn Center, hmm. where I grew up playing at the church. It was, uh, you know, a slugfest, man. It was like a fight every game, hmm. man. And I loved that competition, guys in your face talking trash. And I loved that junior college ball. The thing about junior college ball, they didn't uh, babysit you. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, hey, hey, you either get it done, or, you know, we recruiting somebody to take your place. So if you slip in your game, you would slip on the team, and they'd try to get you out of there. If you wasn't producing for that junior college, hey, you might as well pack your bags and leave. And I love that type of atmosphere uh, all the way throughout. So played uh, uh, in Texas and uh, uh, moved to Houston for a year and played in the league up there, Houston, Texas. But the urge to get back to Philadelphia hit me, man. <laughs> I had to get back to Philly, man. The uh, as I look back, man, had I done it another way, because you got to realize when I went to Philadelphia, you had the greatest assembly of Philadelphia team that they ever had. You had uh, uh, Coneo Norman, World Be Free, uh, Doug Collins, uh, Jelly Bean Joe Bryan. Mm. You had Dr. J. You had all uh, George McGinnis. Now you had all these guys and you trying to break in on a team like that? Terry Furlough. So, 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 uh, I couldn't make that cut. And, and it broke my heart. So instead of continuing to pursue it uh, somewhere else, mm -hmm. I said, hey, I got to get back to Columbus, Ohio. Hey. And uh, I came back and I started working at the uh, Ashburn Center. Needed the job. He said, you overqualified for a janitor job. Mm -hmm. But I said, hey, I need to work. So I got the janitor job, and uh, the gym was in a, a sorry state. Uh, I say that because uh, the, the walls was peeling, the floors were slippery, the lights were out. So I, I asked Reverend Ashburn if I could close the gym down for a week. And he said, okay. And I went and got urethane, I got paint, I got light bulbs. And in a week's time, I locked myself in the gym. I stayed one street over. I stripped the floor, sanded the floors, painted them, and put urethane on the floor. Right. So when they came in that Sunday, they smelled the urethane. They went to the gym, and uh, that Monday, Reverend Ashburn called me early. He said, Keith, how, how many people did you have to do that gym? I said, Reverend, I've done it myself. Right. And, uh, but the reason why I did it, because it brought back a pride. The uh, floors was uh, the urethane, the paint, the paint walls were painted, all the lights were in because I wanted to get back to playing basketball. So that started the uh, the legacy of the uh, playing at the J. Ashburn Junior Youth Center. So at that time, like you said, you, you, you went through a situation, you realized that Columbus is calling you after you do your trial and stuff like that, and you decided to come back. I, I think it's very humbling just right I already know this conversation is going to go good because of the fact that you say, you know what, I'll take that janitorial position because you obviously, maybe you haven't said it, but it sounds like you had a, a future goal. Like, hey, this is somewhere I grew up and I want to see it through. So like you say, you locked yourself in, you know, the gymnasium. And me as a kid, even though I didn't move to Ohio until I was, you know, nine years old, seeing that type of gym. Now, granted, this is the 90s and you're probably talking earlier than that. Just the gym that I seen was remarkable because that was the first place I seen African history and art and, and you know and big names and stuff like that. So going back to when you open the gym back up, 
at what point did it say, hey, I'm just going, you know, I'm going to move up and be more in control of, like, the environment of the kids coming in? How did you make it a safe place for the children to come in? When I was a janitor, I tell people this. As a janitor, I ran the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had kids. They had a food program. The church members would serve hot meals to the kids in the neighborhood. And the kids was throwing foods. They were out of hand. And the uh, leaders that they had at that time said they couldn't control them. I went to Reverend Ashburn. I said, Reverend, let me have the food program a few days. And he did. I got me a whistle. And I went in there one day. I blew the whistle real loud. I said, okay, these are the rules. When you eat, you're going to take the food off your table because the people are giving you this food free. Uh, you got to clean up after yourself. You're going to pray before you even eat the meal. And uh, this is how it's going to be. So we had some tough guys in there snickering and laughing. I made an example out of them. Mm. I snatched one up, threw him down because he was getting smart mouth and got quiet. Grabbed the other one and uh, threw him out in the hallway. And uh, it got like a pin because he was supposed to be the toughest in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So uh, they weren't tough. They just tried to act tough. But anyway, uh, from that point on, uh, the order was restored at the Ashburn Youth Center, not only in the uh, gym, but in the whole building. Those guys that uh, were bullying kids, those guys were making miserable for the staff. I was the, uh, the new sheriff in town, hmm. and uh, I was a tough love type guy because I grew up in a fight family. And hey, if you want to fight, and, and years later, I would tell guys on my team, uh, hey, you, if you're that tough, me and you in front of the team, let's me and you go in the back room, the best man come out. Right. If you come out, hey, the winner, fine. But but if you don't come out, they're going to see it when you come out here. <laughs> <laughs> so so you get a, after a while, uh, you get a, uh, a reputation, even in the streets coming to the center with the gangs and the drug dealers. I let them know that this is a safe haven for kids coming to this community center. Mm-hmm. If you get out of pocket with my kids, you got to answer that from us. Right. And, and I had an older brother that's, that's a legendary fighter. So, so uh, anyway, uh, once we set those parameters that this is a safety zone for kids that want to learn, uh, and we had a lot of uh, uh, African-American history that I took pride in because I was taught that. So answering your question, all of these things were uh, uh, making the, uh, the, the, the looks of the gym. It showed pride that, that if you have little and you do a lot with it, you'll be blessed with more. Mm-hmm. Our problem in our community is that we get things, and it's a, uh, unlikely it's a stereotype. You know, they, they say, hey, we give them this, it won't be long, hey, it'll be tore up. <laughs> right. and, and to an extent, it's true. Uh, so, so, so I wanted to always combat that uh, that side of a, a myth. And later, I used to pray every day because we was at Oakley Baptist Church. If I ever got a new center, this is what I was going to do. So the Lord showed me, okay, you talking that, but you got to take care of this old church first. Mm-hmm. And I took care of the old church like it was a new building. And eventually, we moved into a new center in 2001. Uh, Miss uh, Jane Saunders and myself uh, spearheaded that, uh, you know, that happening with our work, uh, along with Clenzo Fox, Attorney Clenzo Fox. But, 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 but I tell you, man, if you're a prayerful person, and the Lord uh, see that you are due diligent with your prayers, you will be blessed. So we was blessed with that new center in 2001. So the new center, uh, we'll, we'll go further than that. So during your time at the at the church. Which is remarkable that this is actually a gym inside the church. Unfortunately, it no longer exists. But I'm telling you, it was a remarkable sight. I'm sure you can look up online. I'm sure it's pictures to find uh, for the Jerry Ashburn Youth Center. Now, in this situation, basketball is your love, right? It's your passion. Now, now life. Right. <laughs> so, in this situation, you're with children. And I did, for the prior conversation we had, you named some, some people that came through your gym. So, and you know a lot of people, obviously, well, of your legendary time. 
So not only, you know, you knowing all these youth and you're touching these youth and they're, you know, you're getting inspired by you and also you're knowing college kids are probably not even from Columbus that are coming because they hear so much about what you're doing at the youth center. It's a comfortable place in the African-American community. So what made you go join West High School as a basketball coach? Okay, I had a, a team uh, called the Kalongai. And Kalongai is an uh, African uh, word meaning men of victory. And I wanted to project victory on and off the court because when the ball stops dribbling, uh, what are you going to do next? And we had a lot of young men that couldn't play on their high school teams because of their grades. Right. So uh, I tried to uh, break that, uh, once again, break that mythology that uh, African Americans, by getting good grades, acted white. Mm-hmm. I said, y'all got to be crazy. You need to know your civilization. You need to know the African civilization, African-American struggles that we've had as far as education and as far as being a person of learnedness. We are the uh, forebears of civilization. Mm-hmm. So, so with that said, uh, I had that team of Kalonga elementary kids, and I taught them uh, basketball. By teaching kids basketball, you want them to have a high basketball IQ. Mm-hmm. I took, I had a great bus, the mm-hmm. Silver Street. I took these kids, every rough and tough center in the city, and we had an away schedule, and we played, and they learned how to, uh, to play under adversity, not getting a call. If you ever played at Windsor Terrace, you ain't gonna get no calls, and uh, it's a, a hostile environment. <laughs> Blackburn. Hostile environment, Sawyer, hostile environment, but I loved it. And our kids learned how to play in those environments and uh, they would see our system and we would win everywhere. Mm -hmm. So these same kids, as they grew older, uh, they were going to West High School. And I went to Coach Sheets, I said, Sheets, I got some strong-willed guys here. You need me in order to uh, continue what we got going in the community. We was winning everywhere. I had a team that went undefeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had guys that didn't play in high school that were as good as any high school player at that time at West High School. And I brought some books, may not get to them this time, but I got some names, man, the nicknames of guys that I can share with you as part of the history of Columbus basketball. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Columbus basketball, I'm a city league player and lover of city league basketball. So I go back, as I told you, for me, uh, getting off a little bit, uh, my history starts as far as professional with Larry Jones. We'll talk about that later. But that group of kids I took to West High School, and uh, Sheets let me come be a freshman coach. And from that point on, our uh, system, and I call it a system where we uh, we school kids at an early age to play the right way, mm-hmm. fundamental basketball, and that group of kids, uh, same group of kids won City League Championship. Um, like I said, we were the first winners in 2000. That's one thing. We hadn't won a City Championship West since the year 2000. Mm-hmm. I think, like I told you, it was uh, 96, 97, 97, 98, and 99, 2000. West High School beat Brookhaven High School three years in a row in the City League Championship. Now, they reversed the tables on us in the district finals. They beat us uh, because a player that should have known better took a shot at the wrong time, and momentum switched just like that. And uh, I steal what I see. (laughs) (laughs) Give him a stern look. (laughs) But, 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 yeah, man, so so that same team, uh, one of that team was ranked fourth in in the state. He was undefeated. And uh, we lost that year to Upper Arlington. And I told them, they got overconfident. I said, man, I played against uh, uh, Upper Arlington in high school. Right. And it was a tough game. I said, if it not, wasn't for my half hook, <laughs> we would have got beat. And I said that, I tell these guys jokingly, but Arlington always had great athletes. And their kids were hardcore competitors. Right, so if, yeah, if you think you're just gonna get out on the court and win, and I could tell in practice, they well, we gonna score when we score 100 points. I'm gonna get in and this and that, and I tried to warn them and warn them. I wasn't a head coach, 
but 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 looking back, that was only game that I cried because uh, my my kids were seniors, a lot of them, and we could have won the game. But uh, uh, sometimes coaches uh, think uh, uh, think in a negative way mm -hmm. and uh, think that you're trying to run their team, that, that you're trying to show them that they don't know what they're doing. But I had these kids all my life. Right. I had four guys that could on the bench that could have turned the game around if they set on the, or set foot on the court. They didn't even play. And those same young men to this day uh, say, Coach, if, if we'd have had you as the head coach, and I'm not saying it's true or not, we would have won the state. I say, uh, I was a guy in the summertime, we would go to the gym and blow smoke. People see us coming, we coming in talking loud. I'm 15 deep. Right. And I'm playing, I'm playing 14 guys. Everybody knew they was going to play. If you don't get the job done, come on out. Right. And and and, and with that said, uh, I always was a guy that used my bench. But but I ain't going to let you make four or five mistakes when I got another hungry mouth over here to speed. So our kids, man, uh, they learned to play. Uh, they were uh, highly IQ players. And uh, that's the story about me uh, coaching at West High School. So this time at West High School, right? I know. I know you guys had your uh, battles with God rest. Uh, so uh, Coach Howard at Brookhaven. I know you guys had battles with them during the, I'll say the late nineties, right? And yeah. probably God, I don't know, because Howard, you know, they had a domination over there oh, at Brookhaven yeah, as well. Years, yeah. yeah, yeah, especially when they got you know Lavender and, and and Ross and stuff like that. Beautiful person, great coach, <laughs> Coach Howard. Miss him very much. Yeah, he actually graduated from my alma mater, Mifflin High School. So yeah, I met him a few times. Had a conversation about coming there, but he was like, mm, you might not get no playing time. I said, right, so I went over to Mifflin. Right. Got two district championships out of it, but I did go over to yeah, Mifflin, Jimmy yeah. Haslam. You know, in that process. So you, you, names, you, you hint on it a little bit about some of the people that you came across. Uh, what, at what point, and then maybe we can go for it now, did you say... I'm gonna fall in love with coaching basketball. Now you said you uh you linked up with uh, Larry, is it Larry Jones? Yeah, Larry. Good. Yeah, Larry Jones. Good friend, Larry Jones. Larry yeah, Jones. Man. Is this the person who strew you towards basketball coaching, or like how did you start coaching? Well, coaching was in my blood from right. Jump Street. I started coaching because I was coached by uh, people that, like I told you, Jerry Carter. Mm -hmm. uh, he. Uh, and then Jimmy Bell. Right. When I played on their teams, they showed me how to play a role. And uh, they had strategy. And I always was good with leadership skills. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I picked teams, I would always pick the lesser talented guys. And we would win against guys that were better than us. Strategy involved. So I knew that I could coach teams, and um, I just had that in my uh, spirit. I was born to coach. So... Uh, uh, once I got that opportunity uh, with the Kalonga team, mm -hmm. uh, because playing all those years uh, against uh, that competition that I played against and knowing the game like I knew it, I had to give back because you want somebody to uh, to receive what you receive. You right. want to pass it on. Yeah. So so that's why I started coaching, and that's how I started coaching at the center is that, hey, man, Kalonga. <laughs> when people hear Kalonga, they're going to say, uh-oh. I like it. And here, they come, here they come. Here come them Kalongai. And, uh, you know, like I said, the, the Kalongai uh, teams, uh, all those teams, I would set 20 minutes on the clock before we practice, even at West High School. And before we practice, we talk about events and things that's happening. Right. Because a lot of times, you know, uh, people look at basketball and you look at the family situations of a lot of the young men that I coach. And a lot of tough situations. Some were the first to graduate high school right, in their family. Yeah, right. So, so uh, you know, you have to involve more than just basketball. It's about family. Right. It's about conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, in 1983, crack hit the neighborhood, mm -hmm. and and it was like a bomb that went off. So, so, so you have to know what's happening about in your community, and you have to have a connection. And I tell people now, there is not a real generational gap. It's a communication lack. Right. We have uh, elders that don't are afraid of our black men and uh, young black men that don't talk to the elders. But I'm one that do talk. Uh, right. You know, and uh, I've learned to communicate. Because if you don't communicate, then that gap exists. 
So I communicated uh, with guys like Larry Jones. I, I knew Larry and uh, learned more about Larry. I wanted to know more about him and started talking to him. Larry was the first uh, uh, NBA player of prominence from Columbus, Ohio. Yes. Went to the University of Toledo uh, and, and uh, played for the 76ers. <laughs> played in the old ABA. Was the all-time leading scorer. Had 20 games where he scored 30 or more points. Uh, had 30 points in the halftime in the All-Star game. So Larry, in talking with Larry, over the years, I said, man, this old guy, he would always say, man, you can't shoot. I said, Larry, I can't outshoot you, I'm a scorer. But Larry could shoot and score, had tremendous hops. But more so, he was a person that wanted to share his stories. A lot of guys uh, uh, thought uh, negative of Larry because Larry was a thinker, and he didn't waste a lot of his time on idle conversation. Right. So, so I would talk to Larry and be enlightened. And, then, and therefore, Larry, I would talk to Freddie Saunders, another guy I told you about, played for the Boston Celtics. I think uh, Freddie may be the first uh, Columbus player with the NBA championship. So I talked to all these guys because I'm a City League guy myself and, and learning about them and learning about their history. I talked to Bo Pete Lamar. Bo Lamar, Southwest Louisiana, led the nation in scoring. Bo Lamar. Sanders went there too, right? Saunders yes. went there. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, see, okay. now, Bo, man, Bo, uh, phenomenal. Uh, he is uh, Esteban's uncle. Oh, okay, okay. But, but man, mm, Bo Lamar could pull up like Curry. He could pull up from 25, 30 feet deep, nothing but nets. And uh, played with the Lakers, played with the Conquistadors. Will Chamberlain was his coach. Oh. What happened to Bo, most people don't know, he split his hand. Did he? And uh, shoot, and it never healed. And it always caused him problems. So that uh, cut his career short somewhat, because he was a scorer, and uh, with that injury, it never quite healed itself. But all these players, uh, right now there's uh, Trey. And, and I, I talk to a lot of young guys, and they be hating on Trey. I said, man, let me tell y'all something. Here's a young man that, 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 that made it, and y'all got all kind of negative things to say about him. He uh, had a drop-off for a little while because I think his spiritual life went left. Mm -hmm. His father, his mother said, hey, son, he got back on the spiritual track. I looked at the uh, box score last night. Trey had 24 points. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for all City League players. Of course, yes. Because yes. it makes the City of Columbus, City League basketball looks good. And we've had a long list of guys that played professional basketball, wow, a lot yes. of guys that played college. A lot of people know me as uh, Mike Red's uh, shooting, conditioning coach uh, over the years uh, from middle school, say, to uh, five years as a pro. Used to get him in the gym. I asked him a question one time. I said, Mike. Who lasts longest as a pro? Because Mike envied, uh, at that time, Esteban and Kenny because of their leaping ability. Right. I said, Mike, shooters and centers. Shooters laugh at Shooters and centers. <laughs> Heard Williams. Let me hear Yeah, So they trying to steal pull Ray, Ray Allen out of retirement. Yeah, always. Yeah. Right, right now. <laughs> so if you can shoot, so concentrated on showing him different skills that I learned because I was a scoring machine. I used to dream about moves. In my sleep, moves is creating a shot that nobody can stop. Mm -hmm. So, so I used to be a creator. And when you play with a guy that's quicker, faster, stronger, taller than you, what you gonna do now? It's a chess match. Yeah. So I created shots that I can get off on anybody. Create space, yeah. Yes, yeah. create that space. So, so basketball also is a high IQ sport. And, 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 Say it again, coach. It's a high, high IQ <laughs> yes, sport. Yes, yes, I've seen guys with skills, unbelievable skills. We had a guy named uh, Robert High Rise Hill, 6'4", guard, shot like Glenn Rice. He had it all but mentally. He had it all physically but mentally. He was uh, hot-headed. He would get angry. And scriptures tell you about anger. If you read the book of Proverbs like I do, there is scripture after scripture that warns you about an angry man, not to associate yourself with angry people, and also anger, how it affects you. Mm -hmm. And as a player, it can throw you off. So with Robert, 
If a guy hit him with a bow, uh, don't hit me no more. He gone for the rest of the game. Right. But when he's on his game, he can throw up 30. And, and Roberts, another guy, six beautiful shot, can dunk any kind of way. And uh, but mentally, mm -hmm. and, and 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 Robert was just, he's a good person, but he couldn't go to the next level because uh, he didn't have that mental game. But there's a whole lot of guys I can tell you like that that could outplay guys that were in college. But 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 that's a whole new story. <laughs> at at yes. the church, man, you had to bring your A game every day, no matter what your reputation. Herb Williams came up to the gym, had a little trouble. Chris Carter came to the gym. Chris is a rough, tough guy, so he fit right in, man. William White, uh, Reggie Williams from the Cincinnati Bengals at that time came that. in the gym. All these guys would come into the gym, small church gym, shoot a jump shot from half court. But it was a tough place to play. Physical, trash talking. We had a guy on the sideline trying to talk you out your game. So it was a beautiful place. And, and, and I tell people this, the environment was this. Some people would agree with it, some don't, but it worked for me. I would hear about a fight, big fight happening in the neighborhood. I would get the combatants, bring them up to the gym, lock the doors, have them fight in front of everybody. So after the fight, I break it up when somebody has the advantage, the other guy want to quit. I tell them, take them to the office. I said, your guys say you won. His crew going to say he won. You got your behind whooped. Now, you can, we can set up another fight. And they, but uh, after it was all over, they shake hands like we used to do. But it stopped a lot of violence in the community. Because yeah. had their boys got together, it would have been a gang fight. Mm -hmm. But I nipped it in the head right at the center. And after a while, reputation, hey, Coach Neal going to let you go. He going to let you fight if you go up there acting crazy. Right. So it would uh, stop fights. Our thing was, I tell the guys, we up here to get each other better on a basketball court. And that's what we all about. The gang guy, you can come up here, but I don't want no nonsense. Because I had gang guys that could ball. Drug, they could ball. Oh, I believe but, it. But, but they knew the rules and they went by the rules. Mm -hmm. Because I was I was a tough love guy Correct. in the gym. And that's good. Mm -hmm. See, that's the thing there is like remarkable about your story, Coach, is the fact that you have premier college athletes coming through, professional athletes, whether football and basketball, and you also have kids who may not have got so far in high school, probably haven't finished high school, and you're yeah. all bringing them in one place, and it's like a, a peace zone. It's something that's missing in the community today. It's a peace zone that you've created. You know, it definitely shows a lot to show that, hey, surrounding this one ball, this basketball, you create so much peace. People, kids don't want to not be able to come to the gym, so they're going to do what you say. They say, okay, fine, we're going to fight it out like you said, but I'm going to get our act together. Why? Because we want to keep coming back. We may see this star. These stars like, you know, I don't care. I still feel like I'm at home. Like Chris Carter, who's born to the NFL at the time. Was he in the NFL yet? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I got pictures of him with some of the kids. So you have something yeah. like that. Yeah, you have the Chris Carter, who's a professional athlete, doesn't care. I'm coming to the gym, get some work in. And I can tell Chris Carr actually had a little game on him, too. Oh, yeah. I got uh, <laughs> some video of him dunking on somebody in the gym. Because we had brotherhood every uh, holidays, whether it be Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's. I'd bring guys into the gym the early part of the day, and uh, we had brotherhood bowls. And we compete against each other, and I'd have guys come up to the uh, – I had a video camera, and they say a few things. And I have all that uh, recorded. I have to uh, get that together to uh, to market to the guys at this stage of their lives. They would love to see that happen. Yeah. But we and I got some games that we played on. A lot of games that we played on uh, on tape. But uh, yeah, those guys like uh, like you said, man. Uh, it was a brotherhood when we got into that gym. It was a comfort zone, and it was a peace uh, because I was always attentive and aware. Of who came to the gym. Right. Now, you just can't throw the balls out. I had a buddy of mine. Uh, uh, he was the only guy that I trusted beside myself to run the gym, Maurice Bell. And for years, Maurice said, man, all I thought you had to do was just roll the balls out. And, <laughs> but I let him uh, see one time. He said, man, I don't know how you did it all these years. Because you have to stay on top of everything. 
while you're on the court looking. I used to sit down and watch all the games. Before something happened, you cut it right in half. And, 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 but you had to be aware of everything. So you had to be who's in the neighborhood, who's coming up, guys coming up. And at one time, you may have three, four, five guys with guns mm. in the gym. Still peace, right? Yeah, so there was still peace. But I tell everybody, don't leave your clothes out, because we had guys that were so slick, they'd pack, pack your pockets. Oh, yeah. Gone. <laughs> I definitely experienced that as a youngin and stuff like that. So you have you have this rec center and a new place called The Hoop Comes, right? Yeah. Does that pull some of your kids away or you still always remain had the kids coming or the young adults or adults, I guess, coming to your facility? No, we still the hoop didn't affect us uh, right. because uh, that was more or less for AAU and guys, right. open mm -hmm. gym guys. But you know, our set times, guys would come and still uh, compete. Right. But the thing about the church, it was a, such a tough place to play, mm -hmm. a small gym. Right. And uh, that was uh, unique in itself. We had a uh, brotherhood basketball league two days a week. And the neighborhood used to be shut down on that day. These guys look forward, that's why I brought this here, uh, this little paper here. And I would keep uh, stats because most is just scoring. I would keep rebounds, assists, block shots, and all those things. Gotta love that. And 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 that that way guys wouldn't just look to score. They see their name up there for assists. And uh, you know we had uh, a guy named uh, Ike Jefferson. Later went to Hampton. Hmm. And and Ike was the uh, MVP of the league when he was 15 years old. 15 man, years old, man. playing good grown man. That oh, yeah, man. And, uh, yeah, man, but we had uh, guys from out east, uh, one of the teams from out east, a guy named uh, Jack Dixon. Man, Jack dropped 30 on you, man, in a minute. Jack is a legend. Uh, him and uh, they had uh, popcorn and the, the big O. Uh, man, they had, and, I, and like I said, I have it in this book here, but it was a tough league, man, and uh, we loved it. And, and and the guys still talk about that, that basketball league. These are lifetime memories. Right. And there never was a fight during that uh, brotherhood basketball games. And there's a brotherly love and a camaraderie shift uh, during that time period that uh, the guys have to this day. So I, I Jefferson, he is... He went to Hampton, and they actually beat the number two seat back in with the 2001, 2002. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Where's he at now? Oh, yeah. He's at uh, Whitstone, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I had Ike as a uh, elementary school. He was one of the crew. I have. I got film of Ike in uh, elementary school playing. So we have, so, so far in this conversation, we went over a remarkable shooter named Michael Red, who yeah. played years in the NBA. You know, most of his career was in Milwaukee. I know he was the Suns for a little bit, but mostly Milwaukee. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I was remarkable for that time frame. Ice Jefferson, who obviously had a good time over there at Hampton. Nice little upset scene. Tony Rice. Wagner. Briggs High School, is that correct? Briggs High School. 1991. Could have went to West. Uh, he came to me and said, Coach, what do you think I should do? I said, Tone, you got to do what's best for you. Him and Tom Fagan. Uh, uh, but I could have had Rice, but uh, told Rice uh, to make the best decision for him, which he did. He went to Briggs, took him to the state championship, and I believe they would have won it, but he had he had sprained his uh, hand okay. uh, late in the game, and uh, he never recovered from that. But Tone Rice uh, also uh, uh, came to the uh, center as a uh, as a young man. I think his uh, grandmother started bringing him over there uh, elementary school. I got some early pictures of him. But but Tone Rice uh, and all these guys, man, I got a bevy of guys that, that, that used to come to the center. Well, that's the whole goal, coaches, that we're here to talk about. So yeah. Tony Rice is a phenomenal basketball player who uh, graduated from Briggs High School, led his team, uh, the song with uh, – Tommy Fagan, I think I know yeah. him as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, led his team uh, up to the Final Four, is that correct? Final championship game. Tip, well, that's even more. Yeah. Championship <laughs> game out of Briggs High School, which is yeah. on the west side of Columbus, Ohio. Um, but well, let, me, let me interrupt you to say that this. I'm interceded by saying, once again, these guys learned how to win playing what they call alley ball. 
That's when you learn how to win, right. man. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you can't win an alley ball and lead your team to victory, when the going get rough at the next level, you're going to be the same way. You don't know how to lead your team to victory. So you learn how to win playing those rough and tumble alley ball games. I tell people, and I, I say this one, because uh, I started the center when I was a young man. Mm -hmm. I went one whole week without losing a game. And these games was not just your average games. These was rough and tumble games. Everybody in the city coming to win. And I went a whole week without losing. And I think the closest to that, uh, to come to that, might have been Ike. <laughs> but uh, he, 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 he might have got a loss or so that week. <laughs> but hey, it was made, it was, that's how you learn how to win. Right. At that level. There were some guys that come in there that were, were great players and didn't know how to win. And it carried over. And that, you know, unfortunately that's happened because even as a, as a college coach now today, we deal with the will. You know, we deal with issues where we've got to, we've advanced ourselves as the African-American community to the point that our kids are somehow spoiled, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's an option. Even in my day, it was still was like, yo, this is, this is it or nothing. Right, so you out there playing hard and trying to. But these kids, it's an option, unfortunately. So we have to find different ways to, like, hey, yo, this matters. You know, you know I mean, let's say that's what happens. The downside of when we do advance, we spoil our kids because we don't want them to go through what we may have went through in our life as well. Yeah. So as a coach, even though I'm taught as a kid, like, yo, this is all we gonna do. This is the only thing we can see, especially in your time, like, really wasn't an option. Even the NBA wasn't that much money at the time. So you deal with it as a coach now, like how do I inspire my children, how do I inspire my kids differently because I can't say, yo, this is all you got. Because it's not all they got. They got yeah. the options. They got parents with 401Ks and stuff like that. So reinventing yourself as a coach is different from X and O's that we deal with now and today. Now the situation where you are, like you're at a center as well as your influence, all these kids. So name some of the players or people that came across, and I, I want you to throw some names out there, coach. People that came across your life or you have inspired or inspired you or came up with you that you will want to name today in this podcast? Well, you know, first of all, I would say what you just said. I went to a black history program last night mm -hmm. and they had the, uh, the uh, right now, he, the, the brothers, the black African-American running co-side. And after oh. seeing him, oh man, and hearing him, he's a scientist, uh, He's a uh, immunologist, and uh, he's just a great person to listen to speak. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how within the next uh, seven years or so, 50% of the jobs created are going to be in tech. Right. So like you said, we have to reinvent our educational system also because of uh, when my dad was coming up, it was more or less like an agriculture type of society. They moved from the south to the city to go to the plants. And, uh, but just hearing that man last night, that brother last night talk, uh, and they had the young man that had a mushroom business at uh, 10 years of age, a young entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, I see them at the farmer's market. But to see the youth, uh, a young man with a business, and then to see this brother running co-side, mm -hmm. and uh, you know his background, uh, the first and foremost thing that, that, that you have to impress upon young people is that we have to, once again, educate ourselves right. and, and reinvent ourselves and uh, make a good example to others about who we really are. Mm -hmm. so, so that's important, how you present yourself in the public eye. And I was always, uh, always was on top of that right there. You know, young men acting accordingly. Right. You ain't going to be on the team acting a fool mm -hmm. uh, because that's just not his. You're representing the community. You're representing, your, well, number one, your family, and then the community. And if you're from the center, you represent the center. So you ain't going to act no monkey on me. Right. So so, so uh, to answer your question, man, uh, uh, man, uh, I always start off with that. I brought this book here, uh, 1978. And uh, uh, my first team, uh, Curtis Dice Woods. Dice, man, would get me 20, 30 points on anybody at any time. It was a smooth brother, smooth game, man, high <laughs> IQ. 
but I had uh, Jerome Patterson on that team. I had uh, Kevin Sky Tucker. I had uh, Dan Barwick. I had uh, Daryl and Cash Money Mason and uh, Keith Honore. And I always had an uh, enforcer on my team. Mm -hmm. I had a big guy, football guy, that would come in and do the, uh, the, the, the dirty work, we called it. That means setting the hard picks. Right. Or when a guy come down the middle Rolling of my up. time, you're going to hammer it. You got five fouls, use them wisely. <laughs> but he ain't going to come through the middle. You're not going to make that <laughs> end one either, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now, guys, they get all offensive uh, about that. Uh, so, 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 you know, like I had mentioned, uh, before that time period, we had guys like uh, Lamont Floyd Dixon. Mm -hmm. We had Bobby Sticks Hooper. We had the Burton brothers, mm -hmm. Mike Burton, we called him semi-automatic, Victor Burton, we called him automatic. Their uncle was a great athlete. They never played at West High School. They was the best in the neighborhood uh, during the stretch of time. Man, Vic could just, he was all pure shooter. Now, now Michael, we called him Snag. He was a guy that was an athlete of athletes. He mm -hmm. had hops, he could shoot, he could dunk, he could do it all. We had Snake Walker. Snake Walker come into the gym, 50 people. Who got next? I said, I got next. I got next. You want to go on with me? And nobody say nothing. Snake had uh, five or six brothers, the Walker brothers. That's, now, a, that's now, a crew. <laughs> now, two of his cousins played for uh, the Twins. They played for East High School when they won the state championship. So, so uh, you know, you had uh, Coleman Bates. Coleman was uh, Elgin Bader. Coleman Bates could do more contractions in the air, man. He would be in the air so long, and he would be moving around, and you couldn't block a shot. Coleman had the uh, Hiltonia high jump record and the West High School high jump record. And, uh, you know, Coleman Bates was a guy that was a beautiful player to watch. The guy later after him was a Rodney Lee. Now, we had Maurice Mobile. Not only would he beat you on the court, but he'd beat you up outside. <laughs> Mo, claim, Mo claims he's 100 and 0 in fight. I said, man, please. 100 and 0. Yeah, I said, you, you picked every fight that you fought. Right. <laughs> you have so, that. So we had uh, West Red. Mike's dad. Oh, okay. Mike's dad was a, taught me a lesson in basketball. We had a one-on-one -on -one tournament. He was an up-and-coming guy. And uh, uh, I let him shoot the first six shots. He made them all. So I'm <laughs> in the hole. So he went up. Uh, I think the game went to the 12. And uh, he went up like uh, 11 to 4. Oh, yeah. I came back 11-11. He got the ball back somehow and hit the last shot on me. <laughs> I was embarrassed, hurt. I went, took my ball to the uh, St. Aloysius and practiced all night. But it taught me a lesson right. about underestimating, underestimating people. Mm -hmm. So that was a lesson learned for me. But it uh, actually gave him more confidence. And he became a, uh, a great basketball player in his own right at West High School, and he later played at Capital University. Mm -hmm. so, so we had Phil the Helicopter. Man, the Helicopter Man <laughs> Jennings. Phil Helicopter Jennings. We used to play in this league, uh, and they had Bill Hoskin. Uh, and Bill Hoskin used to say, man, I don't know, but this guy should be playing at Ohio or some college. Right. But Phil Jennings was the helicopter man, and we had all these guys. We had all these guys playing at the center at that time, man. And um, the record uh, points was a guy, unlikely guy named uh, Chucky Walker. Chuck scored 72 points. 72? I, I got it in one of these books, 72 points at the center in a basketball game. Uh, Larry Cascourt came back and hit 63 in a game. But man, to hit that many points in that building because it was physical, mm -hmm. and guys wouldn't mind hammering you if you start start scoring on them. But but uh, you know all these guys were part of the culture uh, at the uh, at the center. And like I said, I brought this book, and uh, we can go over them later. All the names, man, in this book. 
that 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 the guys that played, man. Uh, you know, uh, we had uh, uh, a guy named uh, Gatewood, the Gatewood family. Now, now the dad, the uncle, man, he was one of the toughest guys in amateur basketball. And there, he was known in Columbus. I'm just talking about straight up. They had an industrial league. Gatewood was tough, man, and didn't take no stuff. And these are the type of men that uh, that taught you how, taught me how to play the game of basketball, man. So, so, so uh, all these guys here, man, uh, were a part of the fabric and the culture of the uh, Jasper Newson. See that right there is remarkable because of the fact that, like, with this one ball, and I, I keep him back to like. The relation so much, why people are so passionate about it, and how you really have to be a student of the, the game and what it affects you all around. It's something that I, I teach my players. It's like, it's not necessarily the fact that you have a basketball, it's an opportunity. You have this, you create discipline in your own self, you learn to be mannerable, that's the most important thing. Then you can utilize it, whether it's still in basketball, you can utilize it to, like you said, to get a scientist degree. Whatever you may do, it starts a platform with one ball. You're, in this situation, you name all these remarkable people to say, like, hey, with this center or with my relationships or whatever, I have created a, a, a fabric to show you that, hey, being around long enough, being around the right thing, this shows the positivity of the African-American community. It's not necessarily just... Oh, we're just sitting here hustling, bustling. Like, there's people passionate about things. We are passionate about this ball because somebody wrote it out and said, hey, do something with it. And this, your story should get out there 100%. Uh, you know. So, I have to ask you this, though. As a, as a, you know, 32 yeah. years old. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I hear, as a kid, you hear all these nicknames, right? Yeah. And you just give me all these nicknames. I don't know why we stopped giving out nicknames, or maybe I just didn't deserve one. Who knows? But like, yeah. in the 70s and 80s, I say this is predominantly, especially in the 70s, why were nicknames given in your opinion? Uh, nicknames was a reflection of that individual player. Like uh, one guy here was uh, another tough guy was John. We called him the Beast Sutton. John the Beast Sutton was a street fighter extraordinaire and uh, he earned that nickname because on the street he was a beast fighting, but he was a great basketball player. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we had the, uh, the Walker brothers. Uh, we had uh, Chad Younger, Chad Ivory. And uh, like I said, the, the, the nicknames, we had uh, David Bright, uh, uh, Redman, Howard Rope Smith. Now, Howard Rope Smith uh, gave me more trouble than anybody, man. Mm -hmm. Howard was 6'3". 6'3", uh, played at Amarillo College in Texas, shot behind his head. Man, he had, he had great handles, and he had a competitive spirit. Man, I would, be try I would be beating Howard up left and right on defense, nothing but nets. He was a great one-on-one -on -one player, man. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Howard was a guy that uh, didn't get enough recognition as he should have. Tell you this story, we had a guy named uh, Pete Howard, the greatest dunk in church history. Pack, 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 wall to wall, mm -hmm. and uh, had to be 50 plus deep, waiting. Tough game. Pete goes up, takes off, and goes up with two hands. Everybody in the middle now, everybody by the rim. He takes turns around in midair. Flies backwards and dumps backwards. Mm -hmm. The gym went silent for about a half a second, and people just broke it. We had to stop the game, man, until people got off the floor. Beautiful dunk, man. He dumped in traffic on everybody who was there. Really? But he did spun around in midair and dumped. But uh, we had Antonio Gibbons. He was dumped on the most in our gym. <laughs> but Tone would try to block everything. People would be talking about, oh, he got dunked on. I said, well, you know what? Tone was going to block the shot. So that was a competitive spirit. It's not that he got dunked on, but he was trying to block everything that came in there. Right. So so all these guys, like I was saying, uh, uh, were, were, were guys that, 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 that were competitive and that, uh, that was learning how to win, and they wanted to make a name for themselves. But getting back to the nicknames, it was a reflection of that individual. 
and uh, what they represented. And it was uh, nothing. Now it was, you know, like it was a sin or something. To, uh, my name is not, call me. They got too sophisticated to have a nickname. Right. But I still call those guys by their nicknames today. It sounds remarkable. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and they, they appreciate it too. Because we all, uh, you know, we had, we had the, the Toy Kershaw. Um, uh, Toy was a big, by his family, football players, man. Solid, big, strong. Now, his dad worked at Central High School, and he used to watch me play, his dad. And uh, great, he had a great father, man. Uh, Hilltop was a great place, had great role models. Right. Men that if they saw you going left, they say, hey, you're going to go right. It was a community of brotherly love. It was a village. And uh, it was the hilltop uh, for a long time. It became the keel top later. Mm -hmm. And that's when those drugs came in. Right. So, so to answer your question, uh, I don't know uh, how they got, <laughs> how they got, I still use nicknames. <laughs> and Snake Walker, when I see Snake, I'm saying, I'm not saying Ralph, I'm saying Snake. And everybody knows who Snake Walker is. That's what I'm saying. I've heard it when I, you know, because I have a lot yeah. of mentors in coaching. And when they talk about their peers or their friends, it's always by their nickname. And, you yeah. know, and I mean, yeah. it goes yeah. today, like like me, it'd be like Coach Woods. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Something yeah. like that. Like, even my peers are like Coach, because they know I'm a coach now. But in that situation, you know, see, that's the thing there is like with the game of basketball, you know, the relationships go farther. Yes, yes. It's something like, for example, you have a coffee with some of your buddies from the 70s, from the 80s, from the former players in the 90s, in the early 2000s. You'll have these relations and such things like that. Yeah, and you know, we had guys like a Robert uh, Bukasin, who got cut his sophomore year. I went up to the school and uh, argued with the coach. I said, this kid, because I saw it happen to me. I didn't get cut, but they had me on JV. Right. I said, Sheets, how could y'all cut this? He's better than anybody you got. Right. He played with uh, with uh, uh, Gatewood, and uh, 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 he played with Anthony also. So, so uh, you know, all these guys, man, were, were a group of guys that were from the center that would come and chance it. Anthony Skinner. Skinner, man, was a heck of an athlete. He went to Wright State. Yeah, I know him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Skinner, man, uh, good people, man. Uh, Keith Toes was in that group, too. So all those guys, uh, 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 we had a guy, man, that also was from East High School that came over. And uh, uh, Sheets kicked him off the team. Uh, and uh, he said, the only reason I'll let you back on if you go over to the Ashburn Center and Coach Neal uh, uh, Kenny Portis was his name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Portis was uh, tough as hell. He was tough. So I brought him to the center and mentored him for the week. That Friday, I went to Sheets and said, hey, man, he's ready. But but you have to know how to work with, you don't know the family, you don't know what's going on in the family, so you just have to uh, to get to know the kids. But 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 certainly, man, uh, and like, like your name's Woods, that's why I brought up my best player early on. My first great player was Dice Woods. Mm -hmm. Man, and Woods to this day, I can still visualize him. I also mentioned that basketball is a creative game. Man, I had guys that had a beautiful style. A guard named Cal Kelly, he would be dribbling like he was dancing, man. He just had a beautiful style. And Cal never played high school ball but he was the best point guard. He could run a offense back, forth. He knew everybody's position where they would should be. Mm -hmm. So they would come over and, uh, and, and ask me about running a play. I said, Cal is running the offense. He's the coach on the floor. I said, y'all on the floor. Y'all know more about the floor than I do. Call what you want. I had that much confidence in him. Never played high school ball. High basketball IQ. So, so you had all kind of guys like that. And uh, uh, like I said, uh, these guys were just uh, beautiful in their style. Everybody had their own unique game. It was beauty in all of them. But uh, the thing was is that when you came there, I don't care if you was All-State, All-American, or NBA. Somebody was out to get your reputation. Oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> it makes totally sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. total sense. So, Coach, let's switch a little bit. Okay. Let's go X and O's. 
Yeah. I know it's been a while. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, once you're true to the game. All right, so a lot of schools right now in the college level are running zone, zone offense and zone defense. Why? Because they're playing against zone. Yeah. I know people don't get their name unless it's one-on-one matchup, right? So how about you, if you were coached today, especially with these high gun, unfundamental kids that are going up and down, you know, fundamentally is out crazy because of AAU, because it's out.